How's about we write some more stories? How's about we tell some more tales? Gather round the fire, maybe read for just a while, and we'll listen to the stories unveiled. Oh, we'll see if we succeeded writing stories no one needed from suggestions that you shared. Hello, and welcome back to the campfire. My name is Colby McHugh, your host, and in case you're new to the S'more Stories podcast, thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy, and feel free to leave a like, a comment, a subscription, whatever the whatever the Holy Spirit calls you to do. You know, feel free to report me if that makes you feel something. I welcome it. <laughs> S'more Stories is a show and tell podcast in which we embark on a quest together and try to figure out what makes a story great, and maybe, just maybe, we can catch some lightning in a bottle and... I don't know about you, but I, for one, think there's plenty of lightning to go around. And earlier this year, I mentioned that I had some really fun episodes in the works featuring fellow podcast hosts, which I think is so exciting because not only do I get to have a great conversation and hear a fun story from a talented individual who talks into a microphone just like me, but I also have the absolute pleasure of highlighting an awesome podcast that, frankly, all of you should check out. And for those reasons, I have been so looking forward to this episode because today's guest is just delightful in so many ways that we will definitely get into, but also as the host of the fantastic ADHD20 podcast with her co-host Matt. ADHD20 is, of course, a podcast that involves the intersection of tabletop role-playing games such as D&D and living with an ADHD diagnosis and how one affects the other and vice versa. Obviously, you both discuss topics of all different kinds, and I especially love your field trip episodes, like when you guys went to Gen Con and talked about your experiences on the podcast. ADHD20 has also helped me learn tons of new concepts and ideas, and in all honesty, has helped me come up, come to terms with parts of my own life, despite not having an, an ADHD diagnosis myself, although the jury is still out. <laughs> so, so please, let's give a warm welcome around the campfire to Allison Kendrick. Hello. Hello. Thanks so much for having me on this podcast, Colby. You know, I I don't like podcasts. I don't listen to them, even though I have one, but I like yours. So I'm excited to be here. That is such an honor because I think anybody who who enjoys stories and enjoys talking about stories can enjoy s'more stories because you don't have to be a writer to to be a guest. You can just be somebody who likes stuff. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. Glad, (laughs) Glad we got that out of the way up front. Cool. But you are, of course, like I mentioned, the host of a fantastic podcast that I'm super excited to learn more about, uh, learn more about the origins of it, learn more about you as a person as well, because uh, I have also, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but uh, I did have the benefit of getting to somewhat hang out with you before this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got to play in one of your uh, Dungeons and Dragons one-shot games in which you were, of course, the Dungeon Master. So I'm excited to talk about that more as well, but we'll just get that out of the way that this is our second time getting to to mm-hmm. meet virtually, and hopefully we will get to hang out in person soon. Yeah, absolutely. Point. You're coming to my city in just a couple of weeks for another one of those nerd cons. We got them lined up this summer, so let's go. 
the best. I cannot wait uh, for Heroes Con in June. Um, but yeah, let's let's get started. Let's talk about uh, ADHD twenty, which, uh, like I said, is is such an interesting concept. It's so specific and unique, but is so welcoming and and just delightful. Like I said earlier, Aww. like it really is just so pleasant to hear you guys talk and mm-hmm. chat, and and it has really helped me learn a lot about my own life. And and I think that uh, is is so valuable and so helpful just to have and have you guys. Uh, be there to kind of guide us through that journey mm-hmm. as well. So, so where did where did it kind of come from? Where did it originate? Sure. So, uh, so Matt and I are good friends. We are coworkers. We have known each other for a very, very long time. And uh, I, I guess I'm not going to be able to talk about this without talking about my origin story with Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so, I uh, had never played Dungeons and Dragons until spring of 2020. The world shut down. I was stuck in my house alone. And uh, a couple of my friends said, why not use this for Dungeons and Dragons? And I scoffed and then quickly, you know, signed up. And the rest is kind of history. So I feel like of everybody that I know that plays d and I'm, I'm one of the, the newest newcomers to it. Um, so with that in mind, uh, and then the fact that Matt and I both have adult diagnoses, is that the diagnoses, diagnosi of, uh, of ADHD. So we were both diagnosed fairly late in life. Um, and, you know, I guess we have our own campfire uh, moments about that and just kind of like trading those moments of, of wondering what our life would be if we had been diagnosed a little bit earlier or if we hadn't been diagnosed at all. Um, and so we realized it was all Matt's idea. He gets full credit for the concept, full credit for the name. Um, but he just kind of came to me one day and said, what if we hopped on a couple of mics and started talking about our two favorite topics, D&D, ADHD, and uh, just try to see how many ways we could we could find intersections and, and commonalities therein. And I, th- I think what what is so fun as well about the way that you guys record each episode is that you have a huge uh, chart, <laughs> <laughs> which allows for that ADHD to work. You don't have to plan ahead because you can let the dice decide what exactly. you guys are going to talk about. You have all these pre, pre-written topics that mm-hmm. you roll each episode and then decide... Yep. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. And yep. so it allows for that spontaneity each episode, too, which is, is, is so fun to experience mm-hmm. each episode. Yep. And sometimes we do come with, you know, form topics and outlines around that. And sometimes we go, I don't know, what kind of topics do you like? And roll what uh, what Colby is referring to is we have what we call the ADHD 100 table. Uh, and we roll a D100 and uh, each ask one another a question. And sometimes that question leads into bigger discussions. And sometimes it's just a one-off, very silly. Every question is either ADHD or some kind of neurospice related um, or some kind of tabletop role playing. There's a couple, I guess, that are adjacent within like hobbies and things like that. But they all share some common thread uh between the two uh and yeah it does help us kind of keep i don't want to say keep the bar low like we do want to put something out there that's meaningful and fun and good uh but it does take the stress away from where it doesn't need to be i guess might be a better way of saying that uh totally and and you mentioned uh neurospice neurospicy mm-hmm. that's yep. a term one of the many terms that i've learned in, in listening to adhd 20 yep. uh and, and i think neurospicy is such a a a fun way to describe neurodivergent and somebody who, you know, doesn't have that, that, that neurotypicality, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's, it's 
broad and it's it's all-encompassing in, in that way as well. And uh, the other term that I absolutely love that, that I learned from you guys is dopamining. Yes. <laughs> which I had I had no idea what that was. And it's such a simple concept. It's literally doing things that you like. <laughs> yep. Doing things that spark joy and make you feel great. And I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people choose their seat on the struggle bus. And that's, I think, been one of the f- most fun parts of ADHD 20 and playing D&D and exploring my diagnosis is this realization that life is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to laugh. We're supposed to, you know, giggle and tell stories and and be silly and all of these things. I think, you know, that's why maybe I was, I was most attracted to doing this podcast, right, is because it takes you back to, you know, those years, those formative years where you just didn't care as much, you know, you just, you just let your imagination kind of sparkle and soar. And, and I think a lot of people lose that in adulthood and I hate it. So, so things like, you know, claiming my neurospiciness and playing D and D are kind of ways for me to get back into that childlike wonder that I didn't want to lose. I, that childlike wonder is, I, I love that you brought that up because that's something that I as well have realized as I've gotten older, like, I don't want to lose that. Mm-mm. Like, I love the fact that I get excited about the nerdiest things yep. and, and like uh, an animated show or a cartoon or like, you know, things that somebody else, somebody less fun might, you know, look down upon. But like for us, if we enjoy it, we're, we're dopamining, we're doing the things that we enjoy and it's bringing yep. us that, that joy. You know, I think there's, there's so much good that can come out of that. Um, are, are there any other uh, terms that you would love to share? <laughs> I love oh, those. Gosh, um, we do have, and of course, now that you're asking me, I'm like, huh, what? Uh, we do have a little bit of an anthology. You, you know, where I have learned the most about my diagnosis, besides having a podcast to talk through it, is uh, TikTok. <laughs> and so I actually got dopamining from TikTok. Whoa. Um, I have learned. I have learned more about myself and ways that I'm not as different as I thought I was. Because that's the thing, you know, you hear the word, the term neurodivergent, and, and, and terms like that can sometimes make you, you feel as though you diverged from the rest of the population, like you're some outcast weirdo. And that's not what that means at all. It just means that your brain is not a typical brain. And in this day and age, what is typical anymore? What is normal uh, besides a setting on the dryer? Um, so I think we're all out here, you know, being neurotypical, neurospicy. Uh, if I think of any, in, in true ADHD fashion, we're going to be talking and I'm going to come up with one and just blurt it out. Is that, is that fair and safe? I welcome it. Please. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, so you mentioned you, you got into D&D role-playing games uh, a few years ago during the pandemic. Yep. Um, what about outside of role-playing games? What, what kind of is your favorite medium of storytelling <laughs> to, to consume. There's lots of options these yep. days. <laughs> yep. So it's funny, I'm laughing because the episode of ADHD 20 that we just put out last week, Matt and I challenged ourselves to talk about anything but ADHD or D&D. And it was very, very hard. I realized I suddenly have no personality outside of those two things anymore, which is funny because, again, they're new to me. I know I talked about other things. Um, so I guess this is the part of the show where I admit that I majored in theater. <laughs> um, big surprise there. I actually, I didn't major in theater. I majored in drama. 
English even, and even better. Drama. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, 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 and purposefully chose that track. I went to a small liberal arts college here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I currently live. I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, deeper, deeper South. Really, my criteria for college was anywhere not in the great state of Alabama. Um, and wanted to go liberal arts because I wanted those kind of diversified interests and was interested in, you know, kind of learning something about everything. Um, and so I majored in English and drama. I minored in music. Um, and so those have always been kind of my channels for storytelling. Um, majoring in drama, I really was more people always ask, what's what's the difference between theater and drama? And I would say, well, theater is about the stage and drama is about the page. Um, gross, right? I just judged myself. I'm really sorry. I love it. <laughs> So um, I loved I went to, you know, a small, small school where we had teeny tiny discussion based classes and would just get really nerdy and dirty with our Tennessee Williams and our Lillian Hellman's um, and just like dissect every single part of some of these great works of art. Um, after college, I moved to New York City and tried to make it as an actor. I did not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I had fun uh, and learned some stuff. Um and was lucky enough to work in industries while living there where I constantly was immersed in theater. Um, so that was great. That was that was a really rad time in my life where I was going to see Broadway and off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway shows four, five, six nights a week uh, when I could make that happen. Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. And, and especially at that time when you're – you get to consume what you love, mm -hmm. all that as much as you want at that point. Like, I'm so mm -hmm. glad that you got to have that experience yeah. and, and learn from it as yeah. well. You know, without that experience, who knows where you would be now, you know? Exactly. And, um, what, so when you were, you're, you're in New York city, mm -hmm. uh, doing the acting thing, uh, how did you get down to, to Charlotte, North Carolina? Well, so I, I went from Alabama to Charlotte for school oh. and then up to New York. Uh, and then, I, and I, so I only moved to New York. I, I thought I'd, last a year. My friends all took bets on how long I would last and none of them gave me over six months. <laughs> oh no, that's so mean. Because like, um, no, it's not. They were, they were right on because like 23 year old Allison was scared of her own shadow. Like I didn't, I didn't want to do anything by or for myself. So they, you know, how are you going to make it in a big city? Um, I lasted almost five years. <laughs> Wow. Most, I, I, I wouldn't last three weeks. I, I kind of sort of got trapped. I moved up there in 2006 and end of 2006 and uh, was ready to move back in somewhere in late 2007. And then a big recession came and I got promoted. And so here I was like, people are losing their jobs left and right. And I've been assigned manager. And I was like, well, I would be silly to walk away from this and to joblessness. Uh, okay, I guess I'll stay for another year. And then another year turned into three, four, five. And then finally, I, like, I missed the South, man. I missed my family. I missed my friends. Most of my friends, even though we were from all over, had stayed in, you know, kind of somewhere the, the Carolinas region. My best friend actually lives down in Atlanta. Um, and so it was just too hard and it was too expensive to get to see the people I liked the most. Um, so eventually I was like, all right, I'm pulling the plug on New York. <laughs> I'm going to stop spending thousands in airfare every year. Uh, instead I'll spend thousands in airfare and theater tickets every year. It felt like a fair trade. And yeah. I brought myself back to Charlotte sometime in January or February of 2011 and have been here since. Amazing. And, and 
while you've been in Charlotte, you have now found a new outlet for performing, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that's something that when, when, when somebody who doesn't play uh, role-playing games or D&D, mm-hmm. they don't really think about that. Like, you can be as performative as you want to be. Mm-hmm. And so for somebody like you or our mutual friend, Tay, former uh, S'more Stories alumni, uh, please go listen to his episode. It's so good. It's the best. Um, another another performer, another theater person, you know, he found D&D as, a, as an outlet for that as well. And so it's it's so funny for me because I love D&D as well, but I am not a performer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I so- don't agree with you there. Having played D&D with you, I, you and Seth, man, you the two of you kept me on my toes the whole game and had me howling with laughter. Uh, so, no. Sorry. So, I mean, I can't tell you you're right or wrong about yourself, but I see the performer in you. There may be some somewhere deep down inside me. I think D&D has helped kind of bring that up for sure and has mm-hmm. gotten me a little bit more interested in it. But mm-hmm. uh, I was raised very conservatively, didn't really like put put myself out there that much. And so I'm trying to do that more in my in my adulthood now. And so so D&D has helped me a lot in, in that way and helped me kind of care less, you know, and just kind of have fun, like you said, and and embrace it. Embrace that childhood wonder. Like you so mentioned. before this, uh, before we both hit the record button, we were talking about how like I am fully unhinged and you could use some help getting into that unhinged state. Uh, D&D is a great way to do that. Like, I remember from my very first session back in somewhere around March or April of 2020, watching my friends who are phenomenal uh, D&D players, uh, shout out to Evan and Fitz especially, and how unhinged they were. And I mean that with nothing but reverence. And I remember watching and going, you can do that. You can do that. You you can do that. Uh, and so the more you watch people who are truly great at it, the more it just makes you want to open up and be the little freak that lives inside. So there's our challenge for the two of us, okay? Yes, I love a good challenge, and I, I, my freak flag is ready to fly. Let's let's, let's <laughs> hoist the sails. I don't. What? Do you, I'm not a good pirate. I don't know what to say there. <laughs> I'm an indoor person. I don't know what. I'm not a boat person. I can't. I would. I would die so fast we're, out we're, there. We're cat people. We're not boat yes. people. But <laughs> we're gonna figure this out. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yes. <laughs> so, so a question that I always like to ask mm-hmm. every person that comes on because everybody has a, a different answer, and I think yours will be specifically interesting to kind of think about it in terms of role-playing and D&D. Mm-hmm. What, in in your opinion, whether, you know, very broad or very granular, what makes a story great? Like, what what do you personally enjoy mm-hmm. in a story, whether it's a D&D session or a movie or a TV show or anything like that? <sighs> I knew this question was coming and I'm still feeling unprepared. Uh, if I had to boil it all down into a single word, it would be tension. Uh, you know, will they or won't they? Are they gonna, you know, and and I think, you know, one of the the ways that you can kind of pull on that lever of tension is by creating meaningful characters. They don't have to be likable. They don't have to be everybody's favorite, um, nor do they have to be all, you know, absurd and abominable, but just have some kind of depth and some kind of way that makes them feel complete, like a full, complete, you know, and and I think when you put a bunch of meaningful characters into a story together, that creates that tension because everybody's going for something. Everybody's got a motive, right? And and I think that's usually where we start to find good stories. 
I love that answer. Uh, thank you for for validating my need to ask that question to every guest because <laughs> everybody gives a great answer, and I think that's such a good one too. Because with tension, you're you're playing with the audience's anticipation and kind of what their expectations are mm-hmm. for the scene. Because if you can create that tension, the tension is created because the audience isn't sure what's going to happen. Like you mm-hmm. said, will they? Won't they? Uh, you know, what's going to happen with this mm-hmm. person? Are they going to die? You know, and and I think. I agree with that as well. Like when, when I am anything, reading a book, watching a movie in the theater, like tension mm-hmm. can f- come from anywhere. You don't have to visualize tension. Um, and I love, I love especially thinking about that in terms of role playing and, and mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. Like you can create so much tension, not just from, I don't want my character to die. Like that's, that's basic tension. Everybody yep. knows that. Yep. But like you can create so much narrative tension from, how your players are playing, how you're interacting with the with the DM, and, and there's so much, uh, so much. Uh, I don't even know what the word I'm thinking of. Uh, <laughs> malleability. There like it you is. Just create it wherever, <laughs> yeah. wherever it, you can mold it to your to your liking, and I think that's such a, a, a fun answer. So thank you. Sure. That. You know, you just gave me a realization. So something that I have gotten into in recent years uh, in working with Matt and Evan is uh, we build websites. And so I have gotten more and more, even though I do not consider myself a very artistic in terms of like a physical output, um, but I have been trying to learn some of the ins and outs of graphic design. And something that you just said, you know, really sparked with me is that one of kind of the tenets of graphic design is um you know, a lot of times you'll you'll create an image that like part of it is off the page, right? And that creates a tension because it's not just about like what you're seeing, but the eye is, you know, kind of drawn to like what else is going on. And so when you're storytelling, you're kind of not only pulling the eye and the tension into whatever the protagonist and, you know, the cast of characters are doing, but like what's going on off stage? Like what's the subtext? What's what's happening in the wings that like we don't get we don't get to be privy to. Um, so fun. Asking the right question. What's happening in the wings? <laughs> What's happening in the wings? What's happening over there? Uh, yeah. You're, you're, so, you're so right. Like, I think that uh, if you're able to to create that level of depth and, and have kind of like you said, that tension and what's what's happening outside of the the main focal point of the story. If you can have that and have it still be interesting and still mm-hmm. add to the to this main main point of the story, like that's the sweet spot mm-hmm. with with anything, whether it's you know books, movies, TV shows. Like you can you can find that, like I said, in any medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I love that. I love that. It's so good. Sh- shall we reveal the topic? Oh yes, we shall. All right. So. Uh, this topic was submitted by none other than Brittany Wyland, my amazing girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it was Brittany's. That makes me happy. I picked it even more. Yes, and of course, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Brittany is the one who designs everything for this podcast. She is the graphic designer of S'more Stories for sure, and she's so talented. So, thank you, Brittany. Uh, thank you, Brittany. Allison, please, please reveal the topic that you have chosen. The topic that I chose is Schadenfreude. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany, for submitting Schadenfreude. Uh, I won't lie. I did have to look up to see what it meant when you uh, <laughs> when you chose it, which is not a bad thing because, you know, I think I think learning a word is important. And, I, and when I saw the the uh, definition, which I will read for you here, Schadenfreude, pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. <laughs> that is German. 
Uh, so the reason that I chose this, let me just get really transparent because it all ties in. Uh, have you seen slash heard of a really great musical called Avenue Q? The the puppets one. Yes. I have not seen it, but I have been very intrigued by it. Okay. It's one of my favorites. So uh, I, I, I exist in that show in the form of one of the puppet characters named Kate Monster. Um, and there is a song called Schadenfreude, which I invite you and any listener who has not heard it to please get to a nearest streaming device, type in Avenue Q Schadenfreude, and treat yourself. Because that was the basis of choosing this topic, my obsession with that musical, and that that number, especially in that musical. So there you go. I, can't, I, know, I know exactly what I will be doing as soon as we are finished recording. I will immediately go jump to that video because I'm so fascinated because <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Um, I should, we should also say, do you remember the initial topic that you chose before you confirmed on schadenfreude <laughs> i don't think it, i do i remember like mulling for I, analysis paralysis that struggle is real um, it is real yes so no you, why don't you why don't you tell everybody what else i wanted to do i'll say it's a very different type of topic again submitted by somebody else <laughs> it was uh i believe thunderqueef yes <laughs> <laughs> which i think that's the first time i've ever said that out loud <laughs> you, you, you did great <laughs> i don't know if that's something that we're supposed to compliment people i'm not on. gonna lie when you first cho- when you're like i think i'm thinking of picking this one i was like okay i'm ready like i i was prepared i was like i don't have any idea what i'm gonna write about and then you you confirmed you chose schadenfreude you're like, I want to go with this one. And I got to be honest, I think I had a harder time with that, with Schadenfreude. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to talk about it and get into it after we after we read these stories. Uh, but we, of course, in in keeping with our, our role playing and our mm-hmm. dice using roots, I think we got to roll some dice to figure out who's going to read first. Oh, I think I'm going to use the big chunky boy. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting a big D20 for yeah. so mu- for so long. I got to I got to get one. You gotta, I am, I am a very, I am a dice, I'm not just a dice goblin, I'm a dice gremlin. Like, it's gross. You've leveled up. <laughs> and people keep, like, when are you going to have enough? Ne- the, the answer does not exist. Like, the, you, you, always, if, if they're, the dice are the best, okay? And I, I mean, I have, I have dice for each character that I have, and then just for funsies dice that maybe one day we'll find a character or maybe, and, and what I've learned is the dice have, boy, I'm really going to go, uh, uh, people are really going to, uh, doubt my um i don't even know here but um i I can't like cross contaminate the dice so i can't play like one character with another character's dice they don't work like that that would that would curse them i think yeah yeah we can't have cursed dice so yeah Mm -mm. no 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 um i i fully understand i i always wish i had more dice it's it's the one thing about dnd nobody tells you it's like you're gonna want some some cool dice, and you're always gonna find some cooler ones eventually. The, the one um, I will not allow myself to jump off of the um, minis hill because I've been so feral with dice. Same. Uh, so I I will not touch minis. Uh, yes. Little D and D miniature figurines for anybody wondering. Mostly because first of all I play virtually, so I don't really need to move 
a mini around a map. That might be different if I played more in person. In fact, I'm getting ready to DM my first in-person campaign, little little mini arc here in Charlotte this summer for some friends. Yes. And because I so desperately do not want to buy minis, I told you the ADHD was going to kick in strong, man. Um, because I so desperately do not want to go buy minis, I'm going to make each of them bring a token representative of their character to play on the battle map so I don't have to... Because once I start, man, I won't stop. And we just know. I love that. That's a great idea because then it puts the burden on them. It's your job. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I bought the battle map. You bring the tokens. Uh, so any hoozles, 20 years later, let's roll. Do, do you care if you are evens or odds? I am happy to be odd. All right. I was going to say, I feel like we're both a little odd. So We are both a little odd, for <laughs> you, sure. You but be, unfortunately, there can only be one. There may only be one. All right. So if it's odd, you're going to read first. If it's even, I'm going to read first. The dice tell the story. Whee! The dice gods. All right. Is that a six or a nine? That is a six. So we have a six. So that is on me, I guess, to go first. Ooh. All right. I'm so scared. <laughs> Do not be scared. This is going to be fantastic. Do you have a title for yours? No, no expectation. So I came, I came up with it as I was sending it to you after seeing that yours did have a title. I was like, oh God, I got I got to get on his level. I added mine at the very last second too. Excellent. I'll throw that out there. <laughs> uh, so I called mine Soul Siblings versus the World. Soul Siblings versus the World. I love it. I cannot wait. Uh, so. I'll let you read, and then we will discuss a little bit more afterwards. So whenever you're ready, take it away. My big brother told me if you flip over the bar, you'll swing right into the Astra Sea, Drusilla informed me during recess on the third day of second grade. We spent the rest of our time outside attempting to launch ourselves into some faraway world brimming with colors we'd never imagined, absurd beasts and other sights and sounds that could not exist where we did. That's Drew for you. Always bold enough in her beliefs that they'd easily become your truths, too. Drew was the new kid in school that year and had marked me as her best friend by lunchtime on the first day. Most days, I still question why. She had all the things seven-year-old girls covet. Glossy hair, the Disney Channel, a pantry full of good snacks, and a cool older sibling. I had split ends, carrot sticks, and a shitty attitude where my youthful exuberance should have been. Soul Family doesn't care about corporeal forms, thankfully. As our formative years marched on, Drew became everything I had no desire to be. Popular, kind, book smart, pretty, in an I-don't-even-need-makeup sort of way. I complained loudly and loved her fiercely. And she never faltered in her devotion to me, her feral, goth, uncaring, well-read, but academically uninspired best friend. She coined me Sib in the seventh grade when she kick-started her self-proclaimed spiritual awakening thanks to the astrology book I'd given her for her birthday. We are clearly soul sisters, she declared, and when I'd flinched at the word sister, she dubbed me her soul sibling instead. High school happened, Drew dazzled while I sank further into an aesthetic inspired by suicide girls that had manifested more South Park vampire society. We don't make sense, but that's what I like the most, Sib, she chirped as she drove us home from school in her brand new bright red Volkswagen Cabriolet convertible. Earlier that day, our yearbook advisor, Mr. Wolfram, had demanded to know why I couldn't be more like my affable, beloved BFF after I'd labeled a spread normie trash and quite literally torched the mock-up mid-meeting. It wasn't the first time it had been suggested that a more ideal version of me should be more like Drew than anything I'd managed to establish on my own. 
But while the rest of the world doubled down on creating space for girls like Drew, she was the only one who managed to meet me where I was. From the safety of her car, I rolled my eyes and burrowed further into my cropped, cold-shoulder turtleneck sweater, longing for the day those exposed parts of my skin would feature tattoos instead of blank canvas. College sent us to opposite ends of the state, then young adult life catapulted us elsewhere entirely. I landed in the outskirts of Portland, Washington, and started pushing pixels around screens in my quest to become the West Coast UX ace for grungy punk brands. UI design man, so gangster. Rough Rider's anthem broke the silence of my bedroom, a funny choice from another lifetime that I'd never brought myself to change. I opened one eye and glared at the clock. It was 2.37 a.m., and Drusilla was waiting on the other side of that familiar ringtone. Are you still my ride or die? She trilled excitedly. Thirty years into friendship, she couldn't fool me. Drew, what's wrong? I replied, not hiding the yawn that followed. If I asked you to be in Austin by tonight, would you? I could hear melodies of the downtown late-night scene calling out behind her. Music bellowed from behind open doors while drunken woo-girls cackled as they stumbled their way into cabs. She took a deep breath and started the story of why she'd need to disappear from her Texas home within the next 48 hours. Her latest boyfriend and object of my ire, Randy, had gotten involved in something he called reverse hacking, where a computer query generates common passwords and then matches them against a database of emails. I don't know. I guess I thought it was harmless enough and maybe even kind of funny at first, Drew admitted. But yesterday, upon returning home from yoga, she got the distinct feeling her home was being cased. Meanwhile, Randy had seemingly disappeared and disconnected his phone. I can't tell if I have a tail, so I'm out tonight to get lost in a crowd and we'll stay in a hotel until you can get here. No one knows you here. Plus, no offense, Sib, you have that kind of unfuckwithable quality that I need right now. Please... I sighed as I slid out of my bed and cast an apologetic glance towards Lavender, the sweet lump of fur curled at my side. She was no longer purring and would probably have plenty to say to me about this later. Fine. What's the plan? I asked as I clicked on the lamp at my desk, opened a browser window, and reached for my Delta credit card. Drusilla's rad. Ivy's bad. Why does Drew hang with someone so sad? The lunch period rallying cry of some sixth grade idiots suddenly rang out from my memory. Turns out, while Drew was busy befriending this baby heathen, I'd been helping her keep up appearances that she had it all together. And nights like this would always crash in to remind both of us that she doesn't, because nobody does. Take that, middle school bullies, high school teachers, and anyone else fooled by Drew's still glossy locks. As we scheduled my arrival and plotted our Drew retrieval plan, I had to stifle a laugh. I guess that's schadenfreude, making me feel glad that I'm not Drew. All right, that was so good. What was the title again? Uh, Soul Siblings versus the World. Soul Siblings versus the World. I'll just say it. I love that. I thought that was so fun. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, I love their friendship. <laughs> I think it is so, it's so, it feels real. And I think that is, it's hard to, hard to kind of portray that in word form but like you can clearly tell also drusilla very cool name <laughs> i i'm i'm such a sucker for a, a unique name in a in a story like this so big props there but um i i as as the first half was going i didn't quite know where it was going and then it's a lifetime friendship and mm-hmm. that was just like oh my god i love that 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 hits home with me because i have some of the same friends that i've had that i've known since i was like 5 years old mm-hmm. and i know that that is not 
the most common thing. Yeah. And so I, sometimes I take that for granted. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I read something like this or hear something like this, you know, it reminds me like that's a special thing. That kind of friendship is important. And so thank you for for sharing that story with us. You're welcome. Um, I do need to let you know that that last line, schadenfreude making me feel glad that I'm not Drew, is a line I stole directly from the song, schadenfreude, not Drew, but you. It's the line is schadenfreude making me feel glad that I'm not you. Um, And I'll tell another little story now if it's okay. Please. Uh, (laughs) My very first job out of college, I worked for Coca-Cola. And uh, as an interactive marketing specialist, so I traveled around the the kind of up and down the East Coast uh, with these what were called interactive marketing events, like NASCAR simulators and dressing as a polar bear and karaoke stages, you know, normal stuff. And uh, there was a member of our team named Drew, but a dude, just normal Drew, D-R-E-W. And we played a game where we would try and inject Drew's name into every song lyric that we could. And it got real rough. And we finally had to call the game off when... <laughs> The Maroon 5 song came out and we all started singing, sticking my fingertips into every inch of Drew. <laughs> oh, no. And so we knew we had gone too far. So I don't know why, but as soon as I picked this topic, that came like flooding back. So I wrote that last line and then just kind of backed into the rest of it from there. So you started with that with your last line first. Yeah. Whoa. That is fascinating it was weird i i love that that's such a i mean i that has happened to me every once in a while where mm-hmm. sometimes i'll get like kind of a an image in my head of like how i want the story to end and then i'll kind of start writing from the beginning but i've never just written out what i want it to end and then kind of work backwards to get there i think that's so cool how how was that experience for you like did it come easy did it Come slowly. What was the what was the process like? It was it was actually a lot more fun than I thought it would be. So I I have not written for fun in a very very long time. I write you know marketing copy all day long, um, but you know when you challenged me with flash fiction, I, I definitely had like a, a, a uh, what, um, and so that I think that's why I went for like a comfort zone of I'm going to call on an old shtick. I'm going to call on, you know, something theater adjacent and just see where we go from there. Um, and then Drusilla came to me as homage to, of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a uh, a character that that fits once rolled up in a, one of our D&D games as well. So that's a, that's amazing. You like you're you're pulling from from your own life. You're yep. pulling from. Uh, fantasy worlds, you're mm-hmm. pulling from TV shows, and you're all kind of pulling them all together into this one story. You know, and Seth, actually, his episode, because uh, I think if I, so I was very jealous when I got to see the list and saw that Astral Sea was one of them and then realized that Seth had already done that one. I think if that one had been available, I would have chosen that. Just, I bet, I bet you would have told a very fun story. Very not, interesting. Not cooler than the ones you and Seth did in that episode, though. So it, it all works out. It all shakes out. Everything gets where it needs to go in the end. But I did do a nod in the very first uh, sentence to that um, for that reason. I, I'm all oh about like the like, clapbacks and callbacks and, you know, like pulling things in. And, and kind of to your point, I, you know, they always say, write what you know. And there's a lot of stuff I don't know shit about but i know friendships i know people um and and so it it turned out to be a lot of fun because i realized and i think that this is you know i i I really other than like character backstories i just i haven't done writing lately and and i found myself kind of writing these two characters like i would write the backstory for 
a D&D character. Like you, you fixate on those small little details that are why they talk that way or move that way or carry this weapon um, or know the spell or things like that. And so in a, I, I kind of <laughs> took my D&D <laughs> tricks into a non-D&D world and it turns out it was kind of fun. Yes. You used your skills, your, the skills that you have cultivated for the last f- few years of playing D&D and then use them in a different format. And, mm-hmm. and it, it can feel surprising when you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I know how to do this. I can do this. And now you have mm-hmm. written a story. You can say you've written a story. And that's that's always always feels good being able to say you've done something. I did. Flash fiction is like so hot right now. <laughs> uh, when you're hey, when you're on the campfire, you know, it, 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 it can get hot around the campfire. There's no there, there is no hot seat here on S'more Stories. It's it's the lukewarm seat to- of, com- the, of comfort. The toasty seat. <laughs> yes, toasty. I like toasty. Um, did did it come to you uh, kind of all at once? Did you sit down multiple times to to get it out? What was what was that process like? Um, so I, I what I I start. I told you I wrote the last sentence, mm-hmm. and then I went to the beginning, and then and kind of started to write that part of it, and just kind of see how that felt. I, I kind of in my head knew okay. I wanted to create, you know, so kind of like what I was talking about at the beginning of this, and we're talking about tension, and we're talking about characters with meaning, you know, knowing that I was going to end with a line like, you know, making me feel glad that I'm not Drew, but I didn't want to put either, you know, the the perspective of the story, or Drew in a in a place of, you know, bad, you know, I didn't want to make this about like, oh, poor sad Drew, we feel bad for her. Um, nor did I want it to make me feel poor, sad me. We feel bad for me, the protagonist of the story, right? So I was trying to write, you know, well enough rounded characters that had both lovable and eye roll worthy qualities. Um, and so, so that happened next was kind of this, this, the story of these two emerged and why one would always feel she was in the other shadow, but then find out like, it's not so bad. We all have something that we, we mess around with. Um, the, uh, the, the Randy part of this with the reverse hacking that came to me in a dream. So I knew there had to be some weird thing that happened in Drew's life that she was, you know, she was kind of like panicking about and calling her best friend for, um, and I couldn't figure out what that was going to be. And I, I didn't want it to be boring and like, you know, a breakup, you know, like n- not that, you know, we've all had breakups, we've all been there, but I wanted to do a little bit better than that. And this I had this weird dream a couple of weeks ago where I was desperately trying to, I was running this query that was like generating like the most popular, like the first few letters of passwords and then matching them up in this database with people's email addresses. (laughs) And I woke up and I was like, that's probably not my get rich quick scheme, but maybe I could write a short story about it. So somehow I wove that into this. I don't know, man. Uh, another another thread of the of the uh, weave that is soul siblings versus the world. Yeah, you know, you're including your dreams in it now. Like that is so cool. You're pulling from all of these different parts of your life, your brain. Um, and, and I was going to mention Randy as well. I love the inclusion of of a dumb idiot named Randy. Right. Like it just works. <laughs> like, as soon as you as you said his name was Randy, I was like, yeah, that fits. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> I, I get that. He is he is a classic Randy. And and like you said, you took it to a level of specific and weird rather than just a breakup, which, you know, that happens. That's real life. People break up. You go visit your friend cross country to, to comfort them. 
this is a different type of story. Yeah. And so it it not only makes it a little bit more different, it, it gives you that little surprise, but it also uh, serves to like deepen the bond between mm-hmm. the protagonist and and Drew as well because she's not judging Drew for right. for for this choice for what what she's done to get to this point in her life. Yeah, she's just like I'm buying the ticket. I'm not Drew. You know, yeah. we're all kind of we're all kind of fucked up. You know, and and that's that's I think that's such a relatable yeah theme to include in, in your story. Yeah, um, I love that. I think I think you did such a good job with this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> It was it was hard work, but gratifying. And in the end, a whole lot of fun. And I think one of the biggest lessons I learned when I was first creating characters for D&D, you know, my very first character that I ever created, like just had this sad, pitiful backstory. And I think everybody does that with their first D&D character, you know, like, we all have to have a reason to be adventuring and needing coin and falling in with, you know, the lot that we have. And so everybody always goes for sad or mad. Same thing in improv, you know, whenever you're in your kind of like beginning level improv classes, everybody's always reaching for anger as like the first emotion in a scene. And I just think we can all do better to dig a little bit harder and find something that's interesting rather than sad or angry. So I totally agree. And that's something that I've been that this podcast has honestly been really helpful because, you know, sometimes I'll get to the end of a story that I'm working on and it's like, well, how do I want to end it? And it's like my initial pull is to be like oh let's make it sad or let's mm-hmm. let's make it angry let's make it let's make it you know yep. mad yep. about something and then I'm, i write it and i'm like this is dumb like i don't this isn't interesting like i'd rather do something happy or, yep. or at least surprising something that doesn't just feel like uh you know of course he was going to do this you know and so i love that that perspective uh of being able to include that in your story yeah. as well not everything has to be problematic in order for it to be entertaining that is, I love that. That's if that's the lesson that we come a, uh, away with from from this episode. I'm happy with that. Being Let's go. The case. All right. Well, now I want to let the real professional take. Oh over. my god, no! <laughs> <laughs> let's, I, let, let's let the real storyteller go now. <laughs> I am excited to 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 read this one. I I for a lot of my stories, I don't I don't necessarily always like them. I do like this one. I, I wrote too much at first, so I had to cut away a lot. And so I'm excited to kind of get into that once I, once I finish reading. But I'll go ahead and get started. <laughs> this story, of course, the, the topic is, again, schadenfreude. Uh, this story is called Unconventional. And because I couldn't decide on a one title, uh, the other title is The Sundial Paradox. So uh, I'll read and then we will discuss some more. The butterflies in Marla's stomach were buzzing. Being asked to share a stage with the Isaiah Starburst? What an honor. And for a panel at the biggest sci-fi convention in all of California, no less. 1977 was turning into a banner year for Marla Wisby. She couldn't let herself smile, though. Not yet. Her anxiety was sky high and Marla wasn't crazy about crowds. Deep breath. Her introduction was beginning. I'd like everyone to give a warm round of applause to one of the most popular new authors in our beloved science fiction, someone who blends fantasy, romance, and a dash of (gasps) horror into the genre, creating something completely unique. I myself can't wait to hear what she has to say. Please welcome to the San Fran sci-fi con, Marla Wisby. Stepping out onto the stage, Marla saw fans of all types standing in the back with every seat seemingly filled. 
Most of them were applauding as she shook hands with the announcer who'd introduced her, a local radio host named Bud Hawk Hawkins. Marlowe took her seat next to Isaiah Starburst, an author she'd grown up reading and someone she had immense respect for. Hello there, she said to him, reaching her hand out. The older man with disheveled, slightly graying hair took her hand into both of his firmly. As Starburst pulled away, he let his finger drag across the top of her hand just slightly. Marla immediately felt the energy shift between them. After she sat, Starburst actively avoided looking her way, disregarding her completely. Staying professional, as she was always told, Marla took a sip from the water placed at the table between them. Welcome, welcome, Hawk began. I'm so honored to be joined by two giants of the genre we're all so nuts about. Of course, Isaiah Starburst, prolific creator of the legendary Galactic Dynasty series, which celebrated its 23rd release just this month. And Marla Wisby, a more recent success story, one of my favorite new writers and author of the smash hit of 1977, The Sundial Paradox. Thank you so much for joining me here at the best convention in the whole galaxy. Marla looked to Isaiah, letting him respond first, but he remained frustratingly quiet. Thank you for the invitation, Mr. Hawkins, she said. I've, I've never done anything like this before, and to be up here with you and Mr. Starburst, well, it's just surreal, honestly. Finally, Isaiah spoke up. Dr. Starburst, actually. Honorary degree from Rhode Island State. As we all know, I've been a mainstay of this convention since it began four years ago. A known quantity, you might say. So my question, Hawk, is this. What makes you think we should be sharing this stage together? What has this neophyte done to share space with me, hmm? Hawk laughed uncomfortably. Well, you should know, Isaiah, the Sundial Paradox has topped the New York Times bestseller list for the last seven weeks, unseating a little book called The Shining from that number one spot. Marla sat, jaw clenched, and tried to take a subtle, deep breath. I've never even met this pompous ass before, she thought to herself. I should say something. No, I should punch him. You see, Hawk, Isaiah said, gesturing wildly with his hands as he spoke. Sure, the Sundial Paradox is a hit. I won't argue against that, and in fact, I congratulate her on such an accomplishment. I myself have done this no less than 12 times, but that's not quite the point I'm making. What I mean is that Marla Wisby's brand of science fiction is largely lacking in the, well, science department, and the fiction is just so-so as well. All in all, I'm not saying this to be cruel, but this new liberated generation of authors should take notes from those of us that paved the way. Marla couldn't remain silent any longer. And I didn't help pave that same way, she asked in a steady tone. The Sundial Paradox is my seventh book, and oh, forgive me, Starburst interrupted as Hawk looked on, unsure of when to jump in. I didn't realize we had ourselves a regular Asimov. Seven books. How prolific. It took every fiber of Marla's being not to stand up and scream into this man's face. That would just turn the crowd against her for being too emotional. No, she could do better. Do you know what I did before I was a writer, Dr. Starburst, she asked, or rather, while I wrote my first three novels. Any guesses? He snorted an ugly laugh as a few in the crowd joined him. Sure, I've got a few guesses, but I'll keep them appropriate for the young ones in the crowd. Secretary, I'm sure your shorthand skills are top-notch. It was Marla's turn to laugh at such a predictable answer. Not quite. You see, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. Heard of those fancy Concorde jets that have been all over the papers the last few years? I helped design those. Murmurs popped up all over the convention hall as she continued. Just because I don't fill my stories with words that require a dictionary doesn't mean I'm lacking in the science department, as you call it. All I want is for people to understand and enjoy the story without feeling talked down to, because that doesn't feel so good. 
Also, the Sundial Paradox is quite obviously fantasy science fiction rather than the hard sci-fi you pump out, but I'm sure you'd know that if you actually read my book, right? Hawk finally saw fit to cut in. Wow, folks, what a hot start to the proceedings. Can't say I planned for an exchange like that, but I'll remind our panelists to try and remain civil up here. Can we agree on that? Hawk waited for an answer, clearly not giving in. Of course, Mr. Hawkins, said Marla, feeling like she'd just been chastised by a teacher. Middle school all over again. Was I not professional? Isaiah said with a shrug. Fine, I'll play nice. Many thanks. Now, I say, let's hear from the fine people in the audience. Marla watched as a dozen attendees lined up and felt her heartbeat quicken a bit. First question from a wispy teen with pigtails wearing a faded Star Trek shirt. What are you writing now? She asked. Isaiah began, completely ignoring the question. I would like to address a previous point, actually. The author next to me implied that I hadn't read her book, and while I won't dispute that, it's crystal clear to me that she hasn't consumed a single work of mine either. Ah, Marla said. Which of your 23 books would you like to discuss? Believe it or not, I've read each and every one. Twice. I make it a point to read all the books by my peers. You see, I'm not just a writer, I'm also a reader. Can you say the same thing? Hawk again interrupted, sensing the tension growing once more. All right, next question, please. An older woman calmly stepped to the mic. Isaiah, she said, with ice in her voice. Been a while. On stage, Starburst eyes opened wide with recognition, and he shifted uncomfortably in his seat. My question is a simple one, the woman began. Do you write your own books? Marla stepped in first. Often to the detriment of my stories, yes, unfortunately. The woman gave a short nod of approval. And you, Isaiah, do you write your own books? What an inane question, he said. Of course I write. I'm the Isaiah Starburst, remember? As he desperately awaited for applause to bail him out, the woman pulled out a bundle of papers. Then how do you explain these? What I have here are contracts for the people who actually write your stories, myself and the other four people behind me in line. These are real, notarized documents that prove you're a fraud. Preposterous, Isaiah said under his breath. Your fans have no clue, she continued. You take the credit for our work and have for decades, all under the protection of NDAs. Well, bring the lawyers. We don't care anymore. It's all out in the open now. Marla couldn't believe what she was witnessing as Isaiah squirmed. One last thing. For anyone here who thinks Starburst is that man's real name, she continued, pulling one specific sheet from the stack she held, here's a copy of his birth certificate which reads, quite clearly, Isaiah Pawalski. Not so grandiose, eh? Marla watched and felt the audience roar in laughter, which finally got the old man moving. Isaiah stood in a huff and hurried past Marla off the stage. She heard him grumbling a string of cruel and specific insults. Even Hawk a professional radio personality with decades of live experience, couldn't help but shrug when Marla made eye contact with him. Powerless. As Isaiah shuffled off the stage in shame, Marla took it all in before the audience quieted down, feeling more and more assured in her own confidence with each passing second, as if the further away Starburst got, the bigger she felt. A sly smile found its way on her lips, and Marla Wisby, against her better judgment, let it stay a while. The end. so good <laughs> i loved that i loved so names are one of my favorite things and one of my favorite parts of character creation and i love marla wisby i see a starburst even even bud hawk hawkins like it's so 70s man 
I that's what I was him. going for. I definitely, I like you said, I I, I love I love some good names and mm-hmm. and especially like seventies science fiction writer names. I was like, that's got to be a fun thing to explore. And I think once I came up with Isaiah Starburst as like <laughs> as a name, I was like, oh, that's I gotta I gotta stick with that. Um, and with and with with the concept of Schadenfreude, I. I it took me a while to really figure out what kind of story I wanted to tell because mm-hmm. it's it's a very broad idea. Yep. And you can kind of apply it anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> like you can take any concept yep. and, and put a little bit of Schadenfreude in there. Yep. And and so for me, once I kind of realized that for me to kind of like the story that I was gonna write, it had to involve some sort of like justice yeah. of some kind. Like it had to have some sort of like resolution or like the shitty person getting their due or something. And mm-hmm. so um, once I kind of knew that, I, I realized that I had never written a story about a writer before. Like, oh, include a included a writer, uh, which is a very Stephen King thing to do. Yeah, uh, which I, I love. I love Stephen King. I, I've probably read more books of his than anybody else at this point in my life, and and he always in, includes a writer in, in most of his stories, not all mm-hmm. of them. But I realized that I had never really tried that before, and it sounded like a fun, like a fun idea to try to create a sort of rivalry between writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know where I where the idea of of putting it in the seventies came from. I think I think literally it was just like, oh, I think a science fiction convention in the seventies when all the dudes are really shitty and creepy, mm-hmm. like that made the most sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and once I had Marla Wisby, I was like, oh, I love Marla. Like, she's she's great. I want to include her in every story. Yeah, Marla <laughs> is great. She was she was the, you know, uh, origin of the Me Too movement and Time's Up long before <laughs> they were here. Thanks, Marla. Way back in the 70s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marla. And I loved, I loved the way that you just kind of, like, stacked layers, you know, within the story. Like, you just kind of like, oh, 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 okay. And, you know, like, every kind of quarter you turn, it got a little worse for for Dr. Starburst and his honorary. You don't get to say you're a doctor with an honorary degree. No shade to honorary degrees. Come on, my dude. Hey, Rhode Island State is a, a very well-known school. I don't know. I don't actually know. I made I. It could be a thing. I, I thought I made it up. I didn't look it up because I didn't want to know. <laughs> I respect that. So what, like, uh, you know, you you said that you hadn't written a story about a writer, which I love that a writer finally got to write about a writer. So where did, how did this all start to come together for you? It's it's such a good question. I think once I realized that that, that it was going to be about writers, I tried to create two kind of polar opposites, but I knew that they had to be within the same genre as well. Mm -hmm. And so like with science fiction, and I haven't read a ton of big science fiction books. Like I've read a few, but I, I still need to read Dune. You know, I still need to mm-hmm. go through all the, a lot of the big ones, uh, especially from this era of like the seventies. Um, once I realized that they were going to be writers uh, specifically in the sci-fi genre, I, I kind of wanted to base the guy uh, Starburst after Isaiah, uh, Isaac Asimov, who, mm-hmm. you know, is this prolific writer has written tons of, you know, great sci-fi books, uh, but is just, or was just known as like a creep and nobody liked him. He was just super shitty to women and mm. thought he was like the, the coolest guy ever, but he was really just a sci-fi nerd who mm-hmm. wrote a lot of books. Um, and so the idea of having this kind of like high and mighty mm-hmm. idiot, think that he is, you know, the next coming of, of God in, in book form um, that, that sounded fun for me. And like we mentioned earlier, like not every character you write has to be likable, right? you know, 
because it can be fun to write that kind of character because he's just so smarmy and gross mm-hmm. and and getting to have that as kind of a backdrop for Marla who who is great and I would genuinely love to read the Sundial Paradox if yeah. it was a thing yeah um like I think they bounce off of each other really well and that was actually the struggle that I had was that I wrote way too much first mm-hmm. so I, we try to keep our our word count you know around a similar length and so I had to edit it down and so I had to cut back a lot of the interactions between them. Like mm-hmm. I had more, I had more questions on stage from the uh, from the crowd. Um, and I think it was good for me to figure out, okay, what what is not necessary? What can I kind of get away with cutting here, mm-hmm. with with while still keeping the the story and the spirit of the story yep. and the characters there as well. And so it was a really fun challenge. Like I rarely do I write too much first. Mm-hmm. Normally it's like. I'm trying to figure out where the ending is so that I can just get to that point in the word count with this one. It was like, I was just enjoying the process of writing yeah. their interactions and their, their stage presence. And um, yeah. so it was, it was really enjoyable. I, I had more fun with this than I have with well, a lot of, of stories. Well, all thanks to, we're going to blame Brittany for this. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will. I will absolutely give her a big uh, thank you uh, when, when she gets home uh, tonight. So uh, thank you, Brittany, for, for schadenfreude. I think yeah. these are, are very fun stories uh, and, and proving the, the purpose of this podcast, very different stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time we get two stories from the same topic, they're always they're never... completely different. Yes. That's that's been one of my favorite parts of listening and I haven't gotten to listen to all the episodes yet but as I'm making my way through is you know you think you know you you know every single time so so three very different stories because a lot of times you'll announce the the topic and I'll kind of like ooh if that was my topic what you know what would I write about and then you and your guest will start speaking and they're just these bonkers off the walls like how did you even come up with that ideas you know brains it, it really it really does turn out that way every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's so fun getting to hear your process, hear how the, your story came about, that you pulled things from your dreams into your story. And, and then I get to like learn that process. And, and when I have a dream down the road, I don't dream that often. I wish I did more. But when I do, I'll be able to like, hopefully pull out some random weird thing and be like, Oh, I want to throw that in a story. Yeah. I, because then it adds that little level of specificity and groundedness to it. Well, and that for this, you know, when I followed no process that I'd ever done before, I've never started from the end. Interestingly enough. And, and, you know, you just brought up, this was one of the first stories for you that you had to edit in and dial back and things like that. This was actually the first time I was like, okay, I could make this a little longer. Okay. I could go into a little bit more detail here. And I'm wondering if part of that, came from starting at the end and working, you know, my way kind of backwards. Um, because normally I am the overly verbose, like just put everything out there and, and hope for the best. And I think that's one thing I've been trying to learn in everything I do, character creation, graphic design, storytelling, <laughs> dungeon mastering, and otherwise is like, leave, leave some room for mystery. Leave some, leave some, leave some things in the wings. Leave, exactly. <laughs> leave some stuff off. You did that at the very end. I loved that part where you, you know, as, as he's kind of leaving and you're talking about the grumbling and the, you know, like you didn't have to come out and spell out exactly the foul things that came out of his mouth. The tension in that case, I think makes it better. I think so as well. Yeah. And, and I uh, definitely had to cut some of the stuff out that he said, cause I was like, not needed. I, I can get the same point across 
with just one line rather than having mm-hmm. three full lines of dialogue. And so it was a really good exercise in, in figuring out what is essential you know, mm-hmm. for a story, because one thing that I need to work on being better about with my stories is, is what you're good at is kind of the getting the words out there first. You know, and and word vomiting, for lack of a better oh, I'm term. Oh, I'm great at that. <laughs> like that's something with writing that I want to get better at, so that I can then dial back and then come back to it later, and then cut stuff away that isn't essential. And so, mm-hmm. this was a a really good exercise in and letting myself word vomit because mm-hmm. I let myself enjoy the characters and and enjoy their yeah. uh, their interactions, and then and then I got to go back and look at it with kind of fresh eyes and see, okay, well, I can take out some of these sentences. Maybe they maybe I don't need as much about the radio host yeah. and his career in his career, which I had I wrote out like his backstory yep. as well. So you know, figuring out the stuff that that should be there rather than the stuff that I like. And yet, know? I loved Bud. Like he stood out to me, even though and and to your point exactly, you didn't have to give me everything because i was like yeah buds buds good people we like that bud so yeah that's so interesting how that works out it is i liked bud as well and i think i think with a story like this this is i like these characters so much that i will kind of keep them in my head and Mm -hmm. try to figure out if i can maybe expand this story or write like a full short story out of it Uh, Mm -hmm. because i definitely want more of marla and more of isaiah and um, and kind of their rivalry to a certain extent. Like, what happens after this convention? I don't know, but I kind of want to find out, you know? So fast forward seven years, and we're talking to <laughs> you at <laughs> Dragon Con and Heroes Con about the Sundial Paradox and how you got the idea to write that series. I just stole it from Marla. I don't know. Manifestation! I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I am... I am kind of proud of the Sundial Paradox because it sounds mm-hmm. like a sci-fi book. Again, didn't look it up because I didn't want to be proven wrong, but it just sounded like a like a sci-fi book in my head, and I was like, "I love it." That makes sense, and that makes sense to me. Yeah, that totally worked. I, yeah, I loved every part of it. This was a fantastic, captivating little slice of nerdy '70s con culture, and I am so here for it. And especially speaking of conventions, you know, like I, like we mentioned earlier in, in this podcast, we have a convention uh, coming up in a few weeks uh, in, in your hometown of Charlotte uh, called Heroes Con, uh, in which myself and noted S'more Stories alumni, Seth McKay, uh, will be attending in person. And so we can't wait. We're going to buy a bunch of a bunch of books, talk to a bunch of cool writers and artists, and hopefully I'll get some some future guests uh, for the S'more Stories yeah. podcast. That's that's something that I'm trying to get more confident in, you know, and, and getting people on the podcast. Yeah. So. Heroes Con was my first nerd con uh, pre-pandemic. Before I liked D&D, before, you know, I, I considered myself a nerd bystander. I think it must have been, it must have been 2019, maybe 18 or 19. Uh, that was the last year that I attended. Uh, and then, of course, now I've done Gary Con. I'm going to Gen Con this summer. So let's go. Gary Con. I apologize. I said Gen Con earlier. Oh, I didn't even you notice. Went to ge- you went to, to Gary, Gary Con, Con f- for your yep. field trip. And you're going to Gen Con later. And I'm going to That's Gen Con, yeah, in August. So, uh, yeah. Let's get out to all the nerd cons. And that's that's like there's just something about being in community with your own kind. You know, you can just look around and you could just be like, these are my people. And that's what's going to be so cool for you is that like that the spaces you will be in for that entire weekend are going to be brimming with people who would make excellent s'more stories. 
guests. I can only hope. I'm, I'm definitely going to enjoy it. Nonetheless, I think it's going to yeah. be it's it's like the thing that me and Seth look forward to most each year because we get to just road trip up there. We're going to try to record something up there. Maybe we'll do a spontaneous episode for s'more yeah. stories. Maybe a road trip episode like your guys Gary Khan uh, experiences. We'll figure something out. We're going to bring the microphones up there and yeah. have a good time regardless. Um, and yeah, so so bring it back full circle. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got to write about a fictional convention because I love conventions. Uh, and the San Fran Sci-Fi Con sounded also pretty fun yeah. in my head as well. Yep, absolutely. Oh, that we could time travel back to that. Oh, well. Oh, if only. Yeah, <laughs> if only we could time travel back to the age when more shitty men were in power. Oh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so before we get to our story spotlight segment, which I'm very excited about, I am going to spring something on you. Uh-oh. Since you have, of course, seen the the long uh, topics list full of the weirdest things, I would like you to give me a spontaneous topic. <gasps> oh, okay. Oh, goodness. Oh, I'm I'm not funny spontaneously. It does. It doesn't have to be funny. Oh, wait. I it, think it, I just it, gave you the topic. I'm not funny spontaneously. I'm, I'm not funny spontaneously. <laughs> that I didn't mean for that to be it, but then after I said it, I was like, wait, I think that's the topic. There we go. That's what it is. That, I'm not funny spontaneously. That topics list is a thing of beauty and art. There's some stuff in there that I don't know if it'll ever get picked. Oh, man. But we'll see. <laughs> oh, man. I want everybody that I know to be on this podcast because I just I want to see. I think it's a little telling what people choose and why. And then like, you know, hearing, you know, I most recently listened to Tay's episode. Uh, by the way, I have not gotten to fangirl over Tay yet in this episode. <laughs> fangirl away at I any mean... point. We love Tay on the S'more Stories podcast. <laughs> One of like, so, so Tay, I met as, you know, he was my DM for, uh, for over a year. Uh, and now he's just my friend that sometimes I get to play D&D with. And that's lovely too. But uh, he is... You know, you know, when you like meet somebody and you're like, they seem cool and then you get to know them and they're not as cool as they seem. That's not Tay. That's <laughs> Tay. You, you see him. You're like, he seems cool. And then he is. Um, he so, fully lives up to the to the legend of Tay. Yeah, he really, really does. Sure. Um, and his story. I mean, it, it, that's that's one of the best parts of of him DMing is his storytelling abilities so i had no doubt in my mind that he wouldn't hit it out of the ballpark and you both did on that episode i i particularly loved what you both had to say so it's wild how and why everybody chooses what they choose and then what they come up with it um and i'm not going to go out and campaign for my topic um (laughs) but i'll i'll say this since since you are a forever alumni of this podcast you just let me know whatever you want to you want me to add a topic to the to the okay. spreadsheet? If you Ooh. think of something, you're like, "This is funny." Yeah, send it to me. I'll add it. You okay. got you've earned you've earned that by telling a story. Oh, wow! All right, everybody, that's the secret. Get on this podcast. If I can write a short story, anybody can. Come on, truly anybody can. And honestly, that is like what I hope people pull from this podcast. Mm-hmm. Any episode they listen to is like anybody can write a story. Anybody yeah. can write a thousand words about bullshit like yeah it's it doesn't have to be good it's a story you did it and i and the end i mentioned this before we started recording i'm never gonna give somebody notes yeah. on this podcast i am only excited yeah by people yeah uh, for this for the show and so 
So many parallels to D&D right there, though, because when I have newbies, you know, oh, but I'm scared. They're always scared. That's always the word. And I'm sure I probably use that word, too. And and I always tell I'm like, there, you're, there's nothing to get wrong. There's there's it's literally impossible, mm-hmm. you know, that you have a DM to help you with the rules. And so you don't have to worry about that. And so all you have to do is think about the character you created and tell a story through their perspective. And and I, I think, you know, once I got over myself here and told myself that same thing of there's no, you know, if somebody doesn't like your story, it's, it's subjective. It's OK. Exactly. Fine. I. I think I putting looking at it that way that makes me the DM of s'more stories. It does very much does. So not mad about that. You're going to explain the rules. You're going to keep. You know. You're going to railroad where you need to. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta railroad. (laughs) And you're going to keep that safe space. You know. You're going to uphold the X cards and and the other ways that we keep players and their emotions safe and intact along the little journey. Yeah, you're absolutely the DM here. Hundred percent. Awesome. We found another another parallel with D anD. d This is this is. There's probably countless, honestly. So uh, because storytelling is storytelling. Now we need to have you on ADHD twenty to talk about the intersection of storytelling, ADHD, and D and. Oh yeah, this is going to be good. I would love that. Let's I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> Already looking forward to it. Um, I think now's a good time. Let's let's jump into story spotlights, which right. is of course uh, uh, the segment that we have at the end of each episode where we give you guys something to go home with. Obviously, you got you enjoyed our stories. That's a given. Our <laughs> stories are great. But we want to give you something extra so you can go find something that maybe we recommend or that we appreciate and want you to check out as well. Um if you have yours, I can go first. Whatever whatever your uh, preparedness might be. May I may I be very liberal with two shares? Oh, absolutely. Please. Oh, whoa. Go for it. Okay. You have that freedom. So the first one, of course, I have to give you guys something D&D adjacent. My home base within uh, the D&D produced content world is actually Critical Role, but I'm not going to tell you about Critical Role now, except for the fact that I just did. Anywho, I'm going to tell you about a, a podcast from the Dimension 20 team helmed by Brennan Lee Mulligan, Worlds Beyond Number. Have you listened to this? I have not gotten to that one yet, Holy, but I love Brennan. Oh my God. So I, I mentioned at the top of this podcast that I am not a podcast person. I do not consume things in an auditory fashion. I got to see it. Uh, and my friend said, I think you're wrong about this. I think you're going to love this. Um, so I have to be very specific about when and how I can listen to it. Uh, but basically, I use it as a bedtime story. Listen to about you know 15 to 30 minutes a night before I fall asleepies. Um, I'm not very far into it. I just started it myself. Oh, well, I started it, forgot about it, and then had to restart it, ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. But oh my God, treat yourself. That that cast and what they're doing with the story so they kind of do um just little spoilers they they start the the storyline out as children and then kind of do a a flash forward and so you kind of get to see what shaped um you know all the decisions they make later um i like that i like that already and then the other one you know as far as um uh, books i'm reading and why tying everything back to theater the last time i was in new york city i saw six on broadway Hell of a good time. The Six Wives of Henry the what eighth? Um, oh. Yes, and so it's like a, a rock. You know, uh, it, it's very body and fun. It's only ninety minutes, um, but it got me. You know, I, you realize as you know, as you, you most people only know the story of Anne Boleyn, maybe Catherine of Aragon, and I realized coming out of that, I didn't know. I didn't know crap. I didn't know anything about British history. So I instead of reading slogging through, you know 
history books, um, I found a series called, I think, Six Tudor Wives by Alison Weir, um, one for each of the six queens. And so I'm about halfway through that journey now. It's fiction. Let me, let me go ahead and say that. But it does paint a picture of what the time was like and give some loosely based, <laughs> in fact, history tidbits. Um, so that's how I'm tying theater and books together these days is by seeing a musical and then being inspired to read a series. I love that. One thing leads into another. Exactly. And that's, it's the best when it works out that way. Exactly. Um, I, I cannot wait to check out the, uh, well, uh, worlds beyond number. Mm-hmm. Was that one? Yes. I, I love, I love Brennan Lee Mulligan as a DM. I think he is, uh, just a genius. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand how his brain works, but I want to. <laughs> And so I will absolutely be be checking that out, and and that's uh, first of all I want to check out that musical because that sounds really cool. I uh, don't know much about musicals, but the more I uh, kind of learn about the weird ones as I get older, the more I'm into them because there's so many out there. Yep, yep. I I love a traditional musical, but I really, really, really like some of my favorite ones are a little bit more of the like off the beaten path. Um, uh, like two of my favorite ones are Passing Strange and Title of Show, um, that I will, you know, put heads and shoulders above the West Side stories and the Bye Bye Birdies of the World any day. Um, and of course, one of my favorites is Into the Woods, which is a story about stories. So it all it all comes back around to stories. But the first thing that you're going to check out following us hitting the stop recording button is Schadenfreude from Avenue Q. Yes, yes. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited to, to f- consume that and figure out what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so with with my uh, story spotlights, I'll keep them fairly simple. I'll, I, my first one is a little bit of a cheat. I did. Uh, there's no way around saying this. I did write a book in the last <laughs> couple of months. I did do an episode about it uh, called Kill Collins. Oh. Uh, so I, I, I would be remiss if I did not at least say, hey, you should go read my book because it's fun. I need to do that, admittedly. (laughs) I am very aware of the fact that I have fallen down on my friend duties and have not done it, but I'm going to. I'll tell you what. I'll bring you a copy. Ooh, exciting. I'll deliver you one in person. Hand delivered. I love it. Uh, And you made your way onto Bitter Southerner, the the cover of Kill Collins. (laughs) It's such an honor, of course. So cool. Um, so yeah, Kill Collins, it's a, it's a book I wrote over the pandemic. It's about a death metal Phil Collins cover band and the supernatural antics that they get into. Uh, it's kind of a slacker comedy, uh, and had a great time writing it. And I think everybody would enjoy it. Uh, at the very least, go listen to Phil Collins. Uh, you will not uh, regret it. Uh, my real story spotlight, uh, that's, that's not my, not my real one. That's, that's my fake one. It's real. My, it's real to me. My, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. My real uh, story spotlight is a movie that I watched uh, in the la- uh, last week, I believe, uh, called Cha-Cha Real Smooth, uh, which is a coming-of-age story. Um, it's, it's one of those movies where it's an independent coming-of-age movie where the writer, the director, the editor, the star are all the same dude. Nice. Uh, which I love. I love a good auteur Mm-hmm. Um, he, super young dude. His name's Cooper Rafe. Uh, I think he's like 26 right now, and is just so good and so relatable and so likable on screen. Uh, the the premise of Cha Cha Real Smooth is he's this recent college graduate who's trying to find his purpose, trying to figure out what to do with his life. Now, very relatable still to this day, um, and he essentially finds work spontaneously as a 
party starter for uh, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs because his little brother uh, has one and everybody realizes that he uh, is good at starting parties. And so that's kind of the premise of that, of that movie. And of course there's, there's more like sadness and, you know, Mm -hmm. tension and drama with that as well. But me and Brittany checked it out last week and really loved it. It's on Apple TV. It's streaming uh, on there. Um, And so we loved it so much that we went and checked out his debut movie that he did uh, back in 2020 called shit house, (laughs) which we watched last night. And, uh, same ideas where it's like mm-hmm. a coming of age story he plays a college freshman trying to, you know, figure out his life. Uh, and I just loved it. I'm such a sucker for those types of movies. And it, it reminds me a lot of like Garden State uh, from back in the day and um, kind of those mumblecore movies yep. of the Duplass brothers and Joe Swanberg. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. I'm a sucker for it. And mm-hmm. so when I get to see that kind of sensibility in a modern movie, I I'm I'm hooked immediately. So, uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth and Shit House are two great movies. Definitely recommend them. They're really fun, uh, heartfelt as well. And uh, Cooper Rafe, just a great dude. I'm gonna have to look into this. I I I, I cannot recommend them more um, for sure. And uh, and I, I try to see movies as often as possible. But those two recently are, were were two that stuck with me, and and that always feels good. So. Um, You've got some, you, the listener, have some good stuff to go away with today. Yeah. Our little goodie bag to you. Yes. I love that. A goodie bag to to take home with. Um, so I that's all I've got. I, what else? We could talk for <laughs> 10 hours, I think. Like, this is so fun, honestly. This Yeah, this was super. I, I had, you know, even though I'd listened to episodes, I had no idea what to expect, how it would feel writing my own story and sharing it. And so uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, DM, for creating <laughs> such a great space to, yeah, it was so nice to not write marketing copy and try and sell something with my words. So. Yes. Hey, you so, you sold me. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. Um, see, Mom, I did do something with that English and drama degree after all. <laughs> hey, at least it's not a film degree. 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I went the film English route. So, see? Uh, did, equally, equally pretentious. Did your mom tell all of her friends that you would be the highest educated of all the waiters? Because mine did. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think she ever thought that I was that good at waiting tables. Joanna's savage. And by the way, I was never a waiter, but I was a bartender. Get it right, Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, thank you so, so, so much for being vulnerable and, and writing a story, sharing that story with the world, because I know that that is not easy to do. And and I always will applaud somebody for doing that and and getting to talk about it, too, because I think that kind of takes away some of the scariness of it is when you talk about it, it becomes less scary, right? Agreed. Just get it right on out there. So hopefully this is just the beginning of a long friendship where we play games together, where we guest on podcasts together. And, uh, and then of course, hang out in person. Yeah. I'm down for all of these plans. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you again. And, Thanks for everybody for listening. I hope you you enjoyed our stories and uh, stay tuned for more episodes. Uh, of course, this is just one episode featuring a, an incredible podcast host. Uh, again, go check out ADHD Twenty. This is uh, you're you're gonna have the best time. You're gonna love hearing Matt and AK talk about their lives and talk about uh, just the stuff that's going on. And and I look forward to it every week. Um, and you will too. So do it after 
you go listen to the Schadenfreude Avenue Q song. That is the order of operations. Yes, for I'm, you. I was about to say thank you for an order of operations. Sometimes we all need it. Perfect. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, thank you again for having me. We look forward to having you on ADHD twenty. I I cannot wait. Do you have like a cool, you know, sign off phrase? I do. Uh and actually this is courtesy of one Seth McKay. Yeah. And it is it's a simple one. Stay toasty out there. Stay toasty. Because, you know, we want to keep with the campfire theme. So so to our listeners, even though it is summertime officially at this point, stay toasty out there in the metaphorical sense. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> S'more Stories is brought to you by the Indiesaurus Podcast Network, which is home to not just one great podcast, but tons of them. Maybe you're in the mood for, a, let's say, a Hamtaro watch-along podcast. How about a show that's doing a detailed deep dive into the famed Left Behind book series? Well, you're in luck with Ham Radio and I Survived the Rapture, just two of the many great shows on the Indiesaurus Podcast Network. And oh yeah, The Cellar Dwellers is on there too. Follow us on Instagram at Pod or Colby McHugh. I'll reach out on there for topics periodically, so be sure to submit your best and weirdest. And if you want to follow along with the episodes, feel free to send any stories you've written to smorestoriespod at gmail.com. Whether you want notes or just someone to put eyes on a story, send it my way. Music and lyrics by Evan McHugh, whose great songs can be found anywhere and everywhere. Go buy them. Logo design by Brittany Wyland, whose work can be found at mess.and.magic on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay toasty. <laughs>